welcome to Tales from the Hood, Motherhood that is. My name is Christine Granados and I grew up in El Paso, Texas and now live in Central Texas where my husband and I raised our two sons. This is a podcast about the struggles and joys of raising children and being married. And speaking of children, I named this podcast with the help of my two sons. As teenagers, they were always teasing me that I was a ghetto girl or a ghetto rat, and I was raised in the hood. And it used to make me really mad, because I knew that I most certainly was not a ghetto rat, because I grew up in the suburbs far away from the Segundo Barrio in El Paso. But after a lot of time and contemplation, I realized that they were partially right, I am hoodish. Because my parents grew up in the second ward in El Paso, they raised us with some of those values. I know that throughout my life, my family straddled two worlds as we worked our way up into this middle-class neighborhood. This type of double life brought with it a lot of surprises. Like the time I wanted to show my son who was studying American folklore in the third grade, that folklore was ever-present and not just something that's read about in books. It was something I grew up with. So I told him the story of La Llorona. And in my telling, I may not have been real clear about the fact that even though I was threatened into staying close to home with this particular story, it was indeed a story story. After I told my oldest the tale, nearly in tears, he asked me if I was going to drown him in a river when he was bad. He shrank away from me as I tried to comfort him with a hug and explain that this was not real, it was folklore. So these are the types of stories I'll be sharing in this podcast, Tales from the Hood, Motherhood, that is. And I'm glad you're tuning in during Women's History Month. I thought, what better way to start the month of March than with a story about my fiction writing? I began my writing career in the sports department of the El Paso Times, and I was hired full-time by the Skinnett-owned paper while I was in college at the University of Texas at El Paso. They paid for half my schooling. So thank you, Gannett. I've worked at the Long Beach Press-Telegram and Austin American Statesman in sports and on news side. I was the editor of a national fashion magazine for Latinas, and I've written for People, People in Español, Texas Monthly, and the Texas Observer. I've taught English literature and journalism at some Texas universities. And today, I'm the author of two books of fiction, both set in El Paso. And both books have received acclaim and have been bestsellers for their respective publishing houses. And what I'm trying to say is that I've been around. But this wasn't always the case. And I'd like to tell you about the humbling experience I had the first time I was asked to read my own work in front of an audience to about 250 people. It's what I think of any time I speak to any audience now. Do all authors have to go through this? 
After graduate school, when my first collection of short stories, Brides and Sinners in Ochuco, was published by the University of Arizona Press, I got a call from a friend asking if I would like to read from my collection at the Texas Book Festival. The call came as I was changing my son's diaper. This friend, who also happened to be one of my creative writing professors, is also one of the most acclaimed Mexican-American authors in the Chicano literary canon, in the American literary canon, with publications in the New Yorker, Harper's, Texas Monthly, the New York Times, and the Nation magazines. And he's an author of six books. So this intellectual asked me if I'd like to read from my book of short stories at the biggest book festival in Texas. Before I could answer him, I had something to do. So I held my finger up to the phone, like he could see me or something, and I said, can you hold on a minute? Next, I cupped the speaker on the phone with my hand tightly, and I growled through my teeth, get back here. I have to put your diaper on. As I watched my son run away from me, I set the phone on the couch and I dove for this naked child. And I wrestled him to the ground, flipped him on his back and secured his diaper with the Velcro swatch on his huggies. And then I raised both my arms in victory. I didn't even bother with his pants because I had to get back to my phone call. But before picking up the phone, I smoothed my hair, and I tried to control my breathing so I didn't sound out of breath after the rodeo-inspired tie-down of my son, and I said, Yes, I would love to read. When I got off the phone, I basked in the invitation like I'd won first place at the rodeo. This was a really big deal, a turning point in my life and my writing career. I've been going to school for nine years in order to get to do something like this. And I've been attending this book festival in particular for much longer. And when I attend the Texas Book Festival as an audience member, I run from one lecture to another and I oohed and awed over authors. Authors like Molly Ivins, Frank McCourt, David Sedaris, Annie Prue, Philippa Gregory, Dagoberto Gilb, Sandra Cisneros, Rodolfo Anaya, Tim O'Brien. I mean, the list is endless. And the feeling was always, oh my gosh, I'm going to be walking in the same halls as some of my favorite writers. And on this particular day, my head was just spinning with, I'm going to get to tell my stories to people, to actual people, people taller than two feet high. And as I was basking in the honor and scanning my memory and searching for the inventory of stories I could read, I heard, Mama? And I ignored it because I was more concerned with what I'd be wearing on my fateful day when I had to read to a real live audience. Then I heard another louder, Mama! And then it was followed by a machine gun repetition of, Mama, 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 Mama! Typically, I'd be annoyed because he does that so often to get my attention, even though he knows he's not supposed to. 
today I looked down my oldest son and I said in a calm pleasant voice boo I have great news mama is going to get to tell her story to read her story in the Capitol he was quiet this made me think he was a brilliant little human who was being pensive and more than likely putting two and two together. He's probably remembering me going into my room, the room he's not allowed into when I close the door, the room he can hear me typing in on the pewter, as he calls it, while his father tells him he can't go in there because his mother is making up stories. And he's still quiet. And now his silence is unnerving. And then I start thinking about that room and how many times I've seen his fingers at the crack at the bottom of the door and how many drawings he shoved under the door so I wouldn't be lonely. And I'm amazed by how intelligent this kid is and how he's definitely going to be in the gifted and talented program at school. Then this kid tells me in the exact same tone I used to give him my good news. Mama, Dinosaurs make big caca. As I look down at this two-foot-high pumpkin head, I am still trying to figure out a way to put this event into terms he can relate to. Because I want him to understand the gravity of the moment. I want to know that this is the culmination of everything I've dreamed of since I was a kid. This is happening to me at this very moment, and he's getting to witness it firsthand. And I think, well, I was once a kid like him, and if I tell him that I'm going to get to have a big, big birthday party with ice cream, he might understand the importance of it. But then I drop the idea because he'll want to come. Then I consider telling him that I'm as excited as he was the day he got to ride Thomas the Train for his birthday in Austin. And then again, I think that'll make him want to go to Austin. So I put that thought away. Then I've got it. He understands books. And I've read Goodnight Moon, It's Easy, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, and so many others to him at least a thousand times. And I think if I show him my book, then tell him about my reading, say it's like story time for adults, no, that's not going to work either. Because he'll want to hear a story the minute I say story time. And not a story from my book, but one from one of his favorite books. I finally come to the realization that this child in front of me is average. He's average because this isn't the first time he's mentioned the size of dinosaur droppings. And I really don't know what kids think. And then it hits me and I know what to do. I say to him, yes, dinosaurs make big caca. And I realize that we're both average. And that I really need to get some pants on this naked three-year-old in front of me.
Thank you for listening and for choosing to spend your time with me. Last month, I gave subscribers to my listserv a chance to win a free copy of Bite Like a Man and Other Stories We Tell Our Children. And I put everyone's names into my favorite McCoy bowl and I picked out two. The listserv subscriber prize drawing winners are Leonel Solis of Texas and Judy McMillie of Montana. I'll be putting your copies of Fight Like a Man and other stories we tell our children in the mail for both of you. And in April, I'll try another prize drawing for Brides and Sinners in El Chuco. If you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review or email me any questions you might have. And please tell others to subscribe to my listserv and podcasts for a chance at more giveaways. And for more information about me, this podcast, and other things I've written, go to christinegranados.com. And I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for all the music and sound engineer Cookie Hey Looky for making this podcast sound great. Please visit their YouTube channels to check out their talents. Next month in April, I'm going to talk about the three seasons in Central Texas. And I'm talking about pollen seasons. Ragweed in the fall, oak in the spring, and cedar in the winter. 